Online community, it's great to have you with us here today. If you're visiting for the first time, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at this fantastic church. <laughs> I'm talking about you and you give yourself a hand. I love that. <laughs> you guys are awesome. You're beautiful and people love you. Um, yeah, Stephanie does that 401 class. I've been on trips with her to India. She just has such a passion for the harvest, and so does God. Our guest speaker today, Dennis Rainier, was meeting with the community, uh, the leadership community last night. And he was, one of the things that was most remarkable to me was how he talked about how we, God has to give us his heart for the people we don't have a heart for. Like there could be somebody right in front of you that you don't like, but Jesus loves. And um, so like when his disciples, you know, Jesus is going through Samaria and his disciples, you know, Jews don't go to Samaria and Jesus stayed there for two days. They're like, what? Whole town got saved. See, Jesus loves people we hate. And so we have to, we have to ask the Lord to give us his heart for everybody because he loves everybody. I mean, he loved you. Come on. <laughs> he could save me. He could save anybody. Um, I want to capitalize on something before I turn it over to our guest speaker. Uh, at pre-service prayer, um, we meet in this other room over here. Everybody's invited to pre-service prayer. It's about a half hour, and we just blow and go, and we pray that God's power just hits this place. And we're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And, you know, when you're in a prayer meeting, just kind of you pray until you hit pay dirt. And it was when Mark began to speak and pray about peace, the peace of Jesus. And all of a sudden, it just got my attention because I knew the Holy Spirit's on that. And then Mark, uh, Josh, our worship leader who was up here leading, was not in that pre-service prayer meeting. And he stopped. And you notice how he stopped in the middle of worship and started talking about peace. And some of you need peace. I want to capitalize on that because when the Holy Spirit is speaking in doing something you don't want to just brush over it some of you really need peace today maybe you online you really need peace look the world's falling apart but it's always falling apart you can have your best plans you can have your 401k you can have your marriage you can have your kids on stream you can have all that and then it's you know just kind of falls apart where are you going to find peace if you can't find it externally right and so we medicate and we counsel and I believe in all of that. But none of that can do what Jesus can do. I mean, he says, I'm give, I will give you a peace that the world cannot give to you. And if you have never given your life to Jesus before, you don't know that peace. But if you will, you will. I want to pray for that right now. Lord, I pray for anyone in here. Now, would you just close your eyes just for a second? If you need that peace in your soul just raise your hand right where you are and i'm gonna know exactly what i'm praying for i say that hand i say the hand i say the hand 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 and okay i'm praying for everybody lord i pray i pray for everyone lord that raise their hand and especially those online lord i'm asking okay i want you to do something real quick um this is a spirit-filled church so we flow in the holy spirit so just hang on Ask the Lord, those of you that really need the peace of Jesus in your soul this morning, just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, what is it that is robbing me of my peace? And just wait for a moment. Okay, now the Lord says, give that to me.
if you'll just let go of it and put it in his hands and trust him, you'll have peace and he'll have the problem. Just let him have it. Amen. So Dennis is a friend of the house. And he comes through, uh, he travels the nation as a revivalist. And uh, he goes from church to church to church. He's got a good cross-section of what God's doing in the kingdom by traveling and going to different places. And every time he comes here, he's such a blessing. Last night, we met with the leadership community. And the, the one, I, I loved all the prophecies that Dennis, you know, he, I had him lay hands and pray over all the leadership of the church. Because, you know, the leadership needs to be on fire for a church to be on fire, right? And so... My favorite was when he laid hands on Christina and Phil Williams, and he doesn't know them from Adam and Eve, right? I mean, he doesn't know who these guys are. He's never even met them. Lays hands on them, and he's, he says this, I see a lot of teenagers gathering at your house, and God's, and God's doing something with them right now. It's increasing. It's growing. God's moving. Well, for those of you who don't know, they host a youth group at their house. And uh, that's when you know somebody says they have a gift, and they actually do. So let's welcome Dennis Rainier. Come on. Get him, big boy. God bless you. Awesome. Good to be with you guys this morning. Uh, My name is Dennis Rainier. Um, I'm going to be quick um, in terms of saying a few things about myself, but um, I have four daughters so I usually ask everybody to keep me in prayer. Amen. A beautiful wife, too. Uh, praise God. Um, one of the ministries that's the closest on our heart that we do is we rescue children at risk and young girls and boys from sex trafficking. We've been doing that for over 20 years. I believe that that is the Father's heart. If you're interested in knowing more about that, then um, you could get um, you know some information at the table. Um, that I have out in the back, and there's also some offering envelopes in regards to people that would like to uh, sow into that. Amen? Uh, but, uh, bless the Lord. If you're also um, uh, interested, I have uh, something I've never had here before. It is called the, pray, uh, the Presence Pack. Um, it's a USB that's all on the presence of God. Amen? To, to, to connect you and inspire you about how to connect with God for yourself. It's a USB. You can put it into your car or you can put it in your computer. You can transfer it onto your phone if you like. I've got other things back there, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Uh, but you know, my, my book, Shaking in Heaven and Earth. Um, and then there's a supernatural school that has over 66 hours of teaching that's on a USB as well out there. Amen? So all of that you can, you can get out there. But I just want to jump into it uh, this morning um, from there. Amen? So can we pray? Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, you're better. Your presence is better than the air that goes in and out of my lungs. Lord, we're asking, Lord God, that you'd open up our hearts. Lord, that you would show us your heart, and then you would connect them together. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to be fruitful. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. Praise the Lord. Um, I shared a story last night, and uh, I think I'm going to start there, uh, but my oldest daughter, Jordan, uh, 
she um, was out with some ladies that she works in a program for kids that are going through difficult times with home life and, you know, different things. And so, um, you know, she got invited by a bunch of ladies to go out uh, after work one night. And there's four ladies and, and they're all out and they're drinking wine and they're hanging out. And um, one of the ladies says, hey, let's go back to my house and we can continue just to hang out together. And, um, you know, she gets back to the house and all the ladies are in the kitchen and one of the ladies begins to take out marijuana and she's putting it out on the table, which is, you know, that reaction is exactly what I'm trying to get to. Um, so, you know, what we have, what we have there is, you know, my daughter's in the midst of this. I'm thinking, yeah, originally my reaction was that way too. I'm thinking like, hey, this is not um, really the story that dad wants to hear, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm in the midst of this and, and she's telling me the story and I tried not to judge it um, because that's, you know, that's something that sometimes we want to do. Um, we're more worried about the morality of it and where people are. But these are people that don't know Jesus. They're not supposed to know, like, what they're doing or not doing. Amen? And so my daughter is in the middle of this, though, and she starts to prophesy over this lady. And she starts to have words of knowledge for this lady, meaning that she knows things about her that God has shown her. Right? And, and she begins to speak over this lady. She doesn't tell her that she's prophesying. She's not trying to be spiritual. She just starts speaking the heart of the Father to her. And in the middle of this, the presence of God comes. And all four of these ladies end up on the floor. Yeah. Amen. And so the one lady that she was prophesying over, she says, Oh my gosh, I thought I made this up in my imagination that when I was a kid, I went to church, I had an experience like this with God, but I thought I made it up because I was just a young kid. And there's another lady, though, that lays on the floor. This, if, if the marijuana one got you, this one will really bother you. But like, um, you know, this lady would say, F God. She'd use the F word about God every time that my daughter would talk to her about God. And so now this lady, though, she's laying on the floor and she's going, Oh my gosh, God is real. You know, so, you know, you know, one of the th two things that I think that are important, my, you know, I wanted to say, one, I want to say good job to my daughter, you know, and I caught myself, but my daughter said, you know, hey, dad, I didn't do anything. You know, you know, the reality is if God's ever used you, you know that there's nothing that you did. Amen. Matter of fact, about the only thing you can really do is figure out how to get out of the way. You know, because the greatest key to Jesus' life was his ability to surrender and yield to the Father. Amen? Amen. And that's what he did. But he, uh, my daughter was talking to my wife the next day, and she said, you know, Mom, I think that, you know, the reason we don't see more of this is because in the church, oftentimes, you know, we're unwilling to put ourselves in scenarios like I put myself in. One of the gifts that my daughter has that I sometimes struggle with is that she doesn't judge people. She's not looking at the circumstance, the situation, or what somebody's doing and judging whether she thinks that's the right thing or the wrong thing. She has the Father's heart in a way that she's like, I'm going to love them right where they're at, and I'm going to figure out how to see if there's a way that God could use me to communicate the Father's love to them. Amen? Do you know how much more powerful the church would be if we could figure out how not to judge the scenario, but instead to love and to see. You know, it's God's job to change people's hearts. It's not ours. The Bible says that, that, that only God can change the heart of a man. Like, I can't change anybody's heart. It's not my job. 
You know how much easier it makes it for me to speak when I know it's not my job? Because if it's my job, that's a lot of pressure to carry. If, you're, if you think it's your job to go change everybody, that's a lot of pressure. But if, you're, if it's your job just to love people and see what God might do, figure out how to get out of the way and surrender, whoa, all of a sudden, serving Jesus becomes fun, right? It, it, it doesn't steal your energy. It gives you energy, amen? Because you're experiencing that, and now you get to give it away, amen? So, you know, I, I want to talk about a scripture that's been important to me here recently, uh, and then I'm going to change directions about halfway through this and try to apply it. But um, um, in Psalms 91, that's a scripture that's kind of meant a lot to me recently, but it says there, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, right? What's that mean? I'm living in the secret place. Now, it shouldn't have to be said in church circles, but it does, um, that the secret place is secret. Because some people think the secret place is public. Like, we can't do that here together. I mean, this is awesome, right? Being together, we need to be around people, but there's a place called the secret place, which really has to do with just you loving God and wanting to be with Him. Amen? But it says, He who lives there, that's the foundation of your life, right? That's that place that John, Pastor John's talking about in terms of, you know, where peace comes from, right? That He gives that to you. But He says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, and most of your Bibles say this, shall abide. Say, abide shall abide under the shadows of the wings of the Almighty, right? Like that's what it's speaking about there. Now, I used to think that the wings were like a big eagle. But the Bible doesn't say God's an eagle, amen? And it is speaking about under the shadow that there's a place of protection, but there's more than that, right? The word abide actually means this. It means that you would be able to do what the Father's doing, that you would be able to connect with Him know what he's doing, and become a part of what it is that he's doing. The word abide also means that not only could you do what he's doing, but you would be able to hear what he's saying. You know, what's, you know what's really powerful about that to me? is David is writing this in the Psalms over a thousand years before Jesus Christ ever came. And he's telling people in the Old Testament, he's exhorting the people of God, say, you, there's a place where you can connect with God where you could know his heart. Like when I, you know, when I say God speaks, I'm just talking about how does God communicate to you? You don't have to necessarily hear the audible voice of God. You just need to know that God's trying to communicate to you. Amen? And here, the word abide, that's what it means. But David's exhorting the church to live this way or the people of God to live this way a thousand years before Jesus comes. Then Jesus comes and Jesus actually demonstrates and models abiding. And he says this, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only speak that which I hear the Father speaking. How many times do we speak things that God's not speaking? (sighs) You just read Facebook. That's what Pastor John said, amen? I mean, but think about it even when it comes to judgment. How many times are we speaking something to somebody that we think represents God that doesn't represent his heart. How much more can God do sometimes in our silence than he can in us speaking? No, I've had to learn, like I have five girls in my house. I was talking to somebody about this before, but I've had to learn because I'm a talker. 
I've had to learn not to talk so much. Because if I talk too much, what happens is I don't make room for other people. Amen? One of the things my wife is really good at, better than I am, because I've had to learn how to be present with people. Anybody had a struggle with that? You know, like, how do you keep focused when you're with people in a way that you're listening to them and actually trying to understand them, right, and where they're coming from and understand their heart? You know, well, my wife, you know, she's taught my daughters to do this as well. She's not just listening to you. She's listening to the Holy Spirit. Like when, you know, what does God want to say? So she's quiet a lot, and then all of a sudden she'll have something, but it'll be something from the Father's heart, and all of a sudden it could be really powerful in changing your life, amen? My, my wife with my daughter, she's always saying to them, well, what's God saying? She's not telling them what God's saying. She's trying to get them to figure out for themselves, what is God saying to you? Because, you know, you have to have that for your own self, right? Not just have somebody else telling you. Do you know how much more powerful it is? As much as, you know, people are talking about the prophetic and all of this, and I love that, and, and I have a love-hate relationship with it, to be honest with you. But, you know, um, at the same time, when God speaks to you for yourself, oh, my gosh, that's life-changing. Like, sometimes you can get a prophetic word, and you can feel like it's confirmation, and then you want another prophetic word, you know. But when you actually learn to connect with God for yourself, there's nothing that satisfies more than that. There's nothing that is more fulfilling than that. Amen? Amen. But then Jesus actually goes in Psalms 91, and, and he moves you know, us into another place in John 15. And he exhorts the New Testament church to abide. That that's where we're supposed to live from. Amen? Now, see, I believe in the prophetic why, because I got saved from a word of knowledge. When I was a kid... Um, you know, I got molested when I was about four to five years old by a male babysitter. So I'm in a meeting at 17 years old, and the preacher, like, I mean, the first night, the first night of camp, I'm at this camp. I, I didn't want to go. The church gave me a scholarship. I didn't go to church. I didn't grow up in a church family. And, and you know, I, I go into this place, and it freaks me out. I mean, people are lifting their hands. People are, they're dancing around. They're, they're speaking in weird languages. They're, I, mean, I mean, I thought they were crazy. Matter of fact, they remind me of some of you. <laughs> no, and, and so, you know, but I was in this place, and I was kind of freaked out, to be honest, because I'd never been around that. I wasn't, I didn't know what church was like, let alone a charismatic church or spirit-filled or what, I didn't even know what that meant. I had no understanding of that, right? So I told everybody, get me out of there. I never want to come back in here ever again. And get your parents, drive me home, something. So nobody got me. So I end up back in this place the next day. The next day, all these people are like um, bringing their, I think it was cassettes. It might have been eight tracks. But they were repenting of listening to secular music. And they were throwing it on the altar. Kids were running to their cabin, grabbing their stuff, bringing it back, and throwing it on the altar. One guy that was in the cabin with me, he had um, been smoking marijuana at, at, at the um, church camp, right? And I didn't know Jesus, so I mean, I didn't know that you, do, you didn't do that. But he comes in and he grabbed his marijuana from underneath the bed and he threw it on the altar. He was repenting, right? He was saying, I wasn't going to do this anymore. This is not my way of life anymore. And to be honest with you, I'm not actually thinking like, you know, that made sense to me. I'm thinking like, if he doesn't want it, I don't see why I can't have it. <laughs> You know, I mean, each his own, I kind of thought, right? You know, like, and, and so I was trying to think about how to get the marijuana off the altar 
while everybody else was, you know, coming to the altar and crying out before the Lord. So, anyways, I wasn't looking for God, uh, to say the least, right? And so the next night, though, we get in there, and God just moves in a way where all these kids are at the altar, and they're just crying out to God, right? And now I'm the only person sitting in a pew or a bench or whatever it was, and I got my arms crossed, and I'm like, no way, God, I am not going down like that. I am not... I am not giving my life to you unless you prove yourself to be real to me. Which is kind of interesting all by itself, right? Because I'm talking to a God I don't believe in. (laughs) Right? I'm arguing with somebody that I don't even think exists, right? And so, you know, out of the middle of this, the speaker comes up and he puts his arm around me. And he whispers in my ear. He wasn't trying to embarrass me. And that's when he began to say, you know what? You were molested when you were like four to five years old. And he he said, God wants you to know. You know, that he saw that, he knew it was an injustice, and he's going to heal you, he's going to make that, he's going to turn injustice into justice, and he's going to use that for his good. And I don't remember all the rest of it, all I know is I broke. Like, I never, I never cried, because I had a stepfather that was a very abusive guy. He beat my mom, he beat on me just about every day. We waited till my, um, until my dad, my stepdad pa- um, passed out, and then we would come home and we would go to sleep, and, and then we'd start all over the next day, right? And so he tried to break me, so my job was to not be broken. That's how I, that's, that's I kind of lived. So I never cried. I learned to be really tough. Now all of a sudden, I am broken because God has shown himself that he, he, he let me know, hey, I see you. I know you. You know, I want to be close to you. I, I have good plans for you, right? And all of a sudden, I broke. And somehow, I don't know how I did it, but um, I didn't do it. But I ended up at the altar. And I'm crying for like a couple hours and gave my life to Jesus. Yeah. Amen. It, how can you not? Yeah, how, how can you not? When God, when God shows himself to you in that kind of a way, amen, everything changes. That's why I believe in the things of the Spirit. Because it's, it's, not, a, it's not about like, you know, a, my gift or somebody's gift or because it's not about me. That's right. Our gifts aren't about us. It's about other people, right? And, and, and God uses those on us because he wants to show his heart. If we're going to function out of a place of the spirit, the most important thing for us to have is the heart of the father. Because that's what Jesus was doing. He said, I don't speak anything unless the Father's speaking it. That means there wasn't one time that he spoke anything that did not come from the Father's heart. It wasn't based on what he saw and what the culture looked like and whether he should respond to that. It was based on, Father, what do you want to say to the people that are in front of me? Amen? That's a place, right, that God is trying to... You know, sometimes I so miss it. I mean, I was in a church in Oklahoma City, and... um, and there they like me to prophesy over a lot of people. And they're bringing a lot of people before me and want me to prophesy over people. And, and I, you know, sometimes I feel like it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't, like, feel so good about it. But I'm trying to honor, you know, you know people and honor God in, in, in the middle of it and, you know, and just wait on him. And, and you know, I, so I was, I was there um, this one time. And um, I'm, I'm, I go to pray over this African-American gentleman that's in the front row. And I prophesy over him. And then I go. Somebody turned me and asked me to prophesy over this lady. And so I start prophesying over this lady. Well, in the middle of doing that, I'm speaking God's heart over her. Um, All of a sudden, there's all this commotion behind me on the platform. And it was, like, really irritating to me. Um, You know, because I felt like I couldn't hear myself speak. And it felt like, it felt rude. It felt like people were being disruptive. You know, here I am. I'm trying to do the ministry, the work of the Lord. And something else is going on behind me. 
So, you know, I finally, I have to stop, and I try not to act irritated in front of everybody, so I'm kind of like, okay, um, well, I wonder what's going on back there. This is like kind of, you know, too much, so we need to figure out what's going on. So I stop, and there's some people there, so I have to peek around them, and there's, uh, there's gentleman's up on the platform, and he is cutting a rug. He is dancing his heart out. And people are cheering. His wife is up there too. And he is dancing his heart out, right? She's dancing. He's dancing together, right? And I'm, and I'm thinking like, what is going on, right? I mean, my prophetic word hadn't even started yet, right? They can't be dancing about that. So, you know, after I calmed down for a little bit, I finally go over to the guy and I ask him, I said, I said well, what's going on? And, and, he, and he's, like, he's like, when you came over and prophesied over me and then you left, he said, I was mad. I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm sorry I asked. I wish I wouldn't have asked that question, right? And he says, to, he, he says to me, I wanted to be healed, but instead I got a prophetic word. And he said, when I got the prophetic word and you left, I was complaining to God. And I was saying, how come I didn't get healed? And he said, as soon as you left, the Lord spoke that to me, and I got up. He said, the Lord said to me, get, why don't you get up and find out if you are healed? So he got up, and he had like a hip problem, and he had a nerve issue in his leg, and he got up, and he just started like dancing because he was celebrating that there was no pain in his leg. Amen? And my point is this. Like, I was so caught up in the way that I thought God wanted to use me in a gift or the expectation of other people that... I was missing what God was doing. I mean, and God in his grace and his mercy, like he still uses all of that. Amen. But like sometimes we can think that like because of our gift or because of our talent or because of a thing, that that's just automatically what it is that God wants to do. Amen. We're supposed to be learning to, to connect with God in the secret place so that we can be sensitive to the spirit of God so that we can recognize him and that we can become a part of what he's doing. You see, I'm telling on myself, like sometimes we miss it altogether, right? But we're learning to come into this place to figure out what the Father's heart is. I mean, I was so busy doing what I thought was ministry in my gift that I was missing what God is doing. Just because you have a gift and because you can stir things up in the Spirit doesn't mean that 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 is always what it is that God is doing. Your gifts and your callings are irrevocable. But the issue isn't like, can I do this? Can I stir it up? When God's not moving, there's a time where you're supposed to do that. But when God is doing something or moving, it's a time to pull back and get out of the way. All I'm supposed to be trying to figure out how to do is to cooperate with him out of his heart. Amen? So go with me to John 15, and then I'm going to change direction in just a moment. You know, I think it's interesting because in Matthew 6, you know, Jesus talks about there. He said, you know, he says to go into a secret place, close the door behind you. He says, right? And then he, and he says, pray to your Father which is in heaven. And he says, I will reward, he says, I tell you the truth. I will reward you in, in, in front of men for what you did in secret. Anybody still believe the Bible? Because like, I mean, I don't know if we believe this sometimes. Like, do we believe that if we got alone with God, that God could do everything, answer our prayers and actually cause there to be a reward that we could not that we could not get from being with people or because we got educated or because we did all these things? Just by being alone with God? You know the word reward there? It means to manifest. 
means that God would manifest the things of the kingdom. Like he's not he's not saying that you you know you can't be that he's contrasting really the verse before where you do things for the wrong motive to be seen by others. Amen. And it actually not only means to manifest, it actually means to be fruitful too. Right? Anybody want to be fruitful? The Bible's telling you there's a place where you can only be fruitful because you decided to be alone with God. Amen? Just, I, I think Jesus is asking us, do we really love him? Do we really love the Father? Because if you really love him, you'll find a way to what? Want to be with him when nobody else is looking. Not just because we got church service or, 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 you know, all of that's good. It's not one or the other. But the priority is supposed to be that I want to connect with God for myself because I'm so in love with him. Because I've so been overcome by his love for me that has so changed me that I've got to have that. That that itself is my life. Look at John 15 for a moment. Amen. John 15 verse 4. And I'm going to read just for a moment then I'm going to change directions. It says in verse 4 it says, dwell in me and I will dwell in you. This kind of sounds a little bit like Psalms 91 again. You know what stands out to me about this particular verse? It's our job to initiate. As believers, it's my job to initiate, right? That's what James 4, 7, and 8 says, right? Draw near to me, and I will draw near to God. Like, you know, when I was sharing about, you know, when I came to Jesus at the altar, right? Because I got a word of knowledge. You know what? God chased me. He chased me down. I mean, I didn't even want God, and he still chased me. But like once he shows himself to me, it's now my job to decide if I want him. Like, God's not going to force himself on us. You know, sometimes that's what we do out of judgment. We're trying to force ourselves onto people. God doesn't do that. He says, I showed you my heart. I showed you that I loved you. And now if you want me, my arms are wide open. And you can have as much of me as you want. It's not like God, like, you know, not caring. It's God saying, you know what, I'm here. I'm here, but I'm not forcing myself on you. I'm waiting for you to want me as much as I want you. And then he says, live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding. Without doing what? Abiding. Without doing what the Father's doing. Without speaking what the Father's speaking. Now, if, if my Bible wasn't falling apart, um, I would pick it up and I would tell you, you know what? There, the Bible itself was meant to be impossible for you to do without the presence and the Spirit of God. It was not something, churches have made livings out of trying to figure out how to get people to do stuff in their own strength. This book was made to be impossible for you to do unless God himself is working through you. Amen. You can't do it in your own ability. And so it says here you can't bear fruit without, and it says not only abiding, but it says being vitally united to him, which is a part of what the word um, abiding actually means. Meaning that when you're with him, you get his heart. Right? You get his mind. So now that you can cooperate with his will, right? See, there's a place in God where you never have to ask God to bless you. Ever. That when you're abiding, the blessing's already on what God's doing. When, when you're speaking what God's speaking, the blessing's already on it. You don't have to come before God as a beggar. Your heart has become his heart. I mean, what happens if you get the mind of God but not the heart of God? I mean, that's what's happened to the church oftentimes, right? People, they, they read the scriptures and they know the right thing, but they actually haven't been in the presence of God, so they actually don't have the heart of God. 
So now we're running around telling people what they ought to do, and we're judging what they're doing, but we don't have the heart of the Father, and without the heart of the Father, He can't touch them and reach them so that He can be the one that transforms them from the inside out. Amen? Pharisee. All right. I mean, that's what the, uh, the Asbury revival that they've been talking about, you know, the one of the directors got up finally says, if you've been transformed, then go out. If you haven't been transformed, then you need to stay here. Amen? Why? Because we need God to so change us and transform us. Nobody else can transform us, right? It has to be that he transforms us from the inside out. And then it says, it says, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide from me. This is Jesus. I mean, I mean, I don't even know if you're allowed to say this stuff. It's not very politically correct, right? It's not PC at all. But you can't bear fruit without me. I mean, he's telling us, right? It's not like we're, we have this expectation that we put on people somehow that they're supposed to be able to do things that they cannot do. Like the things God's called me to do, I cannot do. I need him to do it. And if he doesn't do it, I'm messed up. I'm in trouble. Like, you know, I like to say, like, you know, God saves my rear end a lot, right? Because, like, you get put in situations where, you know, he has to show up. Because if he doesn't show up, I got nothing. I got nothing to offer in and of myself. Amen? Verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. Uh, And he says, however, apart from me, Cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. There it is. You can do nothing, right? And then he says in verse 6, If a person does not dwell on me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers, and such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire, and they are burned. Now, just for clarification, this verse is not saying that God is throwing people into hell and they will burn forever. This verse is simply saying that if you do stuff of your own ability then it will evaporate. It won't count for anything. It's saying that the only things that will count are the works of Jesus. That's what's going on here. I don't have time for a theological breakdown of that um, and don't want to go there necessarily this morning. But this is just saying that it'll be burned up and it just won't last forever in terms of your own works. We're supposed to be trying to figure out how to let Jesus work through us. How to get out of the way, right? How to get our opinions out of the way. How to get, you know, some, you know, some of the ways that we do things out of the way, right? Trying to figure out how to do things his way, amen? And then, and then it says here in verse 7, If you live in me, abide vitally uni- united to me, and my words remain in you, and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. Why did Jesus heal everybody that he came in contact with because he was asking out of the will of the Father. He was, ask, he was asking, he was praying in accordance to what the Father was saying and what the Father was doing. The, the Bible's telling you exactly how you get every one of your prayers answered. You surrender. You lose yourself in him. You radically decided to die to your own life and ask him to become your own life. Where the church gets messed up sometimes, we come with our agenda. Oh, God, I just want you to do this so that I can be great, so I can be awesome, so people can see me. No, that's not what God's wanting you to do. He's so wanting people to see Jesus and not see us. But sometimes we're wanting people to see us. Amen? 
And look what, look what he says here. He says in verse 8, and then I'm going to change gears here. But it says, when you bear or produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified. Isn't that really supposed to be the true agenda? To honor and glorify the Father? You know, my wife asked me one time, or she basically said, well, isn't that why you do what you do? Because you know, like, some of the things that I do, like, I have to travel a lot. Okay, I fly over 100 times a year. Do you know what my most unfavorite thing in the whole world to do? Fly. fly. Oh, I hate it. I've, I've been doing that for almost 18 years, 17 to 18 years, and I still don't like it any more than I ever did. Why do I do it? Because I'm called to honor and to glorify the Father. You know, God oftentimes wants to take the things that you don't trust him in and the things that you might fear most and the things that you dislike the most and he wants to turn it around and use it for his glory. Oftentimes we think that what God wants to use is just the things that we like and the things that we feel gifted in and the things that we feel talented in. But God wants to use it all. He wants us to surrender. He wants to know we give it all to him. I mean, and not, and not just because, you know, that's what we said that we did when we gave our lives to Jesus. But look what Jesus says there. He says, he says, this is the part that's crazy. This is not Jesus. This isn't us judging. This is Jesus now telling us to examine ourselves. He says, and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. This is how you know you really is. That you want to be with him. And out of that, you've now learned to surrender to the place that you're recognizing him and you're abiding. You're in the secret place, and you're learning to abide. Amen? Imagine if a whole church all of a sudden began to operate in that kind of a place. So let me tell you a crazy story that just happened to me here recently. Um, right before Christmas, it was the end of October, the beginning of November. I'm in Boston with my oldest daughter, and I get a phone call from my sister. And she lives in Italy. She's retired as a lawyer, and she's over there. And, um, and she calls me and says, I just got a call from the coroner's office in Riverside, California. And, I'm, and, and she says, they, they think they found your real dad. So if you don't know about my life, I don't know my biological dad. Um, he left, well, I, I, I don't remember him because he left when I was a year and a half. So, um, you know, so now, um, you know, I, I get off the phone with her and I call the coroner's office and I find out, yeah, this is my biological dad. And so he's been in the, um, in the coroner's office in a freezer since May 17th and now it's October, Right. And I learned a lot more about him than I've ever known, you know, probably, you know, because I get some details. He was in a, a rest home for the last five years. Nobody knew him. No ex-wives, no children, nobody, right? And so I'm just kind of interested in kind of getting some information. And then all of a sudden this bomb gets dropped on me all of a sudden because what they really want to know is I'll, I'll take responsibility for the body. Meaning that, you know, I'm the only next of kin they can find and they want me to take financial responsibility in regards to, will I pay for his funeral or for him to be buried or cremated or whatever we're going to do, right? And so I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm a little overwhelmed, to be honest with you, because, you know, I, just like, I, I wasn't expecting this. I'm 54 years old. I hadn't really, you know, um, met him or heard anything about him. I just thought, well, this is, I probably just will never know, right? And <clears throat> I reconciled that in my heart. And so now, so I just tell the lady, I said, well, I need to think about this a little bit, you know. I need to talk to my wife. I need to talk to my brother because he has the same father. He's my only real biological um, uh, brother. And so, um, you know, I get off the phone and I call my wife. And when I call my wife, all of a sudden, I, all this emotion hits me. And I wasn't expecting it. Like, I didn't know what I was even feeling, really. 
And as my wife and I are talking, we feel like the Lord is wanting to do something. We feel like the Lord wants to do something to restore in terms of my bloodline and, and legacy or heritage or, you know, the Father's, you know, heart and stuff. And so I'm, so, you know, we both agree on that and we both agree that we feel like God's wanted me to, to do something and take responsibility here. And we agreed together. So I get off the phone with my wife and, and I call my brother. And um, my brother has the exact opposite, you know, feelings as I do. You know, he's, he's actually, you know, he's saved and, and, and he preaches sometimes as an elder in a church. But he's like, I want nothing to do with this guy. He's like, he didn't, he wasn't there for us. He didn't pay child support. So I don't want to do anything for him. And that, that was what he basically said. And I said, okay, you know, if you, if you want some medical records or something, just let, you know, let me know or something. I'd be happy. You know, you never know. You got kids. And, um, but he, he didn't change his mind at that point. And so... You know, I get off the phone, and I find that, so I call back the coroner's office, and I tell this woman named Marlene, I say, yeah, I'm going to take responsibility. So she gives me information um, here in the California area to try to figure out how to, to go ahead and, um, you, know, you know, make arrangements and stuff with, you know, a funeral home. Or, and, and so I called a bunch of them and figured out a way to do that. And so, so, you know, so here I take care of this. My wife is helping me, too, get some information because I'm traveling. I'm traveling through New Jersey, and I'm getting ready to, to, to go preach at a place. And so I had most of the day in the car where I was going to be preaching in Pennsylvania that night. And so I'm there in the car, and I and I'm just have all this time alone, and I, I'm, I'm bawling. I'm crying. Like, I don't like to tell people I cry. I really don't. I mean, it's, for some reason, I don't like to cry. Um, you know, but I am. I'm crying. This is just the way it is, right? And I'm going in and out of it. Like, sometimes I'm just like, fine, and then I'm crying. But I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. Can you honor your father? And I'm like, to be honest with you, I didn't say this out loud, but on the inside, I'm still like trying to decide whether I, you know, do I have unforgiveness? Do I have bitterness? Because I don't know, because I'm feeling stuff that I never felt before, right? And so I'm just trying to, you know, you know, try to figure out how to filter through, you know, what's going on here. And so... You know, when the Lord asked me this, I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, what? Isn't it enough just to forgive? Now you want to come to me and ask me, can I honor my father? And I'm making all these excuses in my head. Well, he wasn't really a father. He wasn't really there. Yeah, he was my biological dad. He contributed, right, some DNA to the whole thing. But he didn't, he wasn't really a father. And, you know, the Holy Spirit has this way of just letting you sit on things. He doesn't really, like, like force it on you, right? And, you know, one of the things I figured out is, like, it doesn't do me a lot of good to argue with God. Amen. Like, I have never won an argument with him. I'm zero, right, in the wind column there, you know? And so, you know, so I'm, I'm sitting on it for a while, and that scripture had come to my mind, honor your father and mother, and it will go well with you. And so I'm just sitting on it. And so I'm, here I am. I'm still, I'm in the car and I'm still feeling emotional. I'm still going in and out. I still don't know what, I, what to, re, you know, how to reconcile all this in my heart yet. And, and, and it's kind of like it's, I'm in a relationship with this awkward friend in the car that has brought up this conversation and now just leaves it for a while and you're not talking. And the next, the next thing that's going to be spoken is either going to be to change the topic so that we can move on or we're, you know, he's going to, he or she is going to say something that is now going to provoke you a little bit further. So I'm in this spot, and all of a sudden I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, you could do a memorial service for him. And I'm like, what? A memorial service? I'm thinking like, I don't know this guy. What will I say about him? 
This will be the worst memorial service in the history of memorial service because there's no memories, right? A memorial service is to remember somebody, right? You know, I have a couple of memories in my mind that my mom had planted, but I didn't really know. They became fantasies about, you know, um, wishing my real dad was there rather than my stepdad maybe and thinking I'd have a better life, you know. I found out, though, that he was schizophrenic. That was one of the reasons why he was in the home, which helped to understand maybe he couldn't take care of himself, you know. Uh, maybe that's why he wasn't able to be there as a father. But, uh, you know, I knew things like I knew he, he was a left-handed pitcher. He played pro, played pro baseball for the Seattle Rainiers um, when he was younger. Um, I knew that, you know, I had some memories. My mom said he would put me on his shoulders when I was a year old and walk on the beach with me. So I had some, some, some things that I, you know, I thought I could say at the memorial maybe. But that's going to take me like two minutes. Right? I said it here in less than a minute, right? So I'm thinking like, okay. And then I'm thinking, and then the next thought comes to me is like, oh my gosh, like, how will I tell my wife this? My wife's going to think I lost it. Like, I'm not, you know, because I'm thinking like, this is silly. This is crazy. So I'm thinking, so I, you know, after a little while, I sit on it and I call my wife. And my wife has me on the phone and she puts me on speakerphone with my 18-year-old daughter, Naomi, in the background. Although I don't know I'm on speakerphone. And so I tell my wife, I said, you know, I feel like the Lord's speaking to me about honoring my father. And, and, and then I felt like I, I'm prefacing it. I'm saying, like, I, I feel like I have this crazy, silly idea that the Lord is asking me if I could do a memorial service for him. And so my wife's quiet, but my daughter all of a sudden in the background, she goes, Dad, who would come? <laughs> and so I say, well, you would come. Your sisters would come. Grandpa and grandma would come. Some of the friends at church could come. We can invite them to come. And she goes, okay, whatever, Dad. <laughs> and my wife's just trying to be supportive, right? And so, you know, she's kind of like, okay, whatever you want to do or something. You know, I, I could tell, like, she's probably thinking, oh, okay, whatever you need to do, you know, to make this right or whatever, you know. But I don't know that she totally understood why I was doing what I was doing necessarily at that moment. And um, so I get off the phone, and a few minutes later, Naomi, she texts me. She says, Dad, I think it would be a great idea to do a memorial service for your dad. She did say that. And at first, my, my response was like yours. I was thinking, that's pretty cool, right? And then I thought, oh, my wife put her up to this. Because that's what my wife would do. She'd say, hey, your dad's going through a tough time. You need to make sure you're a support to him in any way that you can be. So you need to let him know, right? And so I call my wife, and, you know, and she says, nope, I didn't say one word to Naomi. She says she texted me the same thing just a little while ago. And that's when I actually, then I felt like, oh, really, cool. Because I feel like the Lord is doing something not just in me, but even going to do something in my children, right? And so here I'm in this place, right? Here's what, I, here's what I've kind of learned through some of this a little bit. Like God always asks me to do things that I cannot do. He asked, you know, over and over again. Like my mom, my mom was an alcoholic, and my mom made like promises, you know, to me all the time that always turned out in disappointment, caused me to be discouraged. So I quit talking to my mom even as a Christian for three years. Didn't want, I, did, I mean, I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to run from family. I wanted to run as far as I could from family. I wanted to start over. I wanted to start new. I did not want anything to do with where I came from. I just wanted a fresh start. And, you know, and over and over again, the Lord would not allow me to run from family. Like, you might want to, but the Lord puts you there for a reason. 
Sometimes just to so change you that people would see that he so changed you that he would now be able to touch them. So, you know, so I'm taking a shower on a Christmas Eve and I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. Call your mom and ask her to forgive you. Oh man, Holy Spirit, you don't get this. My mom needs to call me and ask me to forgive her, right? And so again, it's an awkward moment. And I'm just like, okay, I just get to sit on it for a while until my heart changes. And I call my mom. And my heart was broken. I remember, you know, and I, and I asked my mom to forgive me. Guess what? I got to lead my mom to Jesus. Look at that. Over and over again. When I would do what I, what I did not want to do, God would do more with that than he did when I did what I wanted to do. My stepdad, who was really abusive, beat my mom, beat on me. Guess what? I had to forgive him. Guess what? I got to lead him to Jesus. Over and over again. <laughs> you know, here, here's what I found. I have uh, big dreams. And I've had big visions. I'm sure some of you had too. But you know where God's really done the most in my life? It's in the small stuff. It's in the little stuff that I would consider to be insignificant. The things that I would think are not really that important, you know. But it's like God, he would change my heart. And he would change my heart and he would entrust me to do something with the little stuff. Forgiving and letting go and doing this in ways that would not be for what I wanted, but for what it is that he wanted. And that God, you know what I found? He did the bigger stuff in the small stuff. And now he changed my whole family. And that God can entrust you with more. He can expand your territory because he's expanded your heart. He's made room for his heart. You can't do this stuff. The simple stuff you can't do unless he changes you from the inside out. Go with me to Matthew for just a moment. Chapter 5. I want to read just a couple things. I'm almost done. I hope you're getting something out of this. In verse 43 of chapter 5 in Matthew, it says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, that makes sense to me. Logically, that makes sense, right? You know, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I can can deal with that. But it's the next verse that challenges, right? And I've been in church for a while, and many of you know the verse. But it's one thing to know the verse and have it committed to memory. It's another thing to practically live this stuff out. And sometimes we don't want to say it out loud because we know. I think even Pastor John was, uh, um, he was kind of, Talking, alluding. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Alluding to this a little bit even earlier. So we're on the same page. But it says here in verse 24, his page. It says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love my enemies? That can't be right. Jesus must have got confused when he was speaking here, right? No, he actually means it, right? Love your enemies. Who's your enemy? Is it somebody in your family? For me, it was. Is it somebody in the community? Is it somebody that goes to church? 
Is it a politician? Is it Nancy Pelosi? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Joe Biden? I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying like, but the Bible tells us that we're supposed to figure out how to love that. Love those people. We're supposed to figure out how to love our enemies. I can't figure it out. I can't do an equation. I can't come up with a strategy. All I can do is put myself before the Lord and allow his heart to change my heart so I can love what I don't love. How do I love the person in front of me that I don't love? I have to go get in the secret place. I have to allow him to change my heart because I can't do it. It's impossible for me to do. It's not my heart. I have to have his heart. And then he says, he goes farther. He goes, pray for those who persecute you. See, I mean, I, I mean, I love the people that love me. Don't you love the people that love you? Yeah. I mean, they are awesome. They love me, right? They celebrate you, you know. I mean, and that's what we're good at, right? But now he says, pray for those who persecute you. Now, that's even worse. He's not saying like the sons of thunder that you should call down lightning for people to be struck. You know, that's not the kind of prayer he's talking about. He's saying, pray that God would bless them, that God would touch them, that God would show his love to them for the ones that persecute you. You know what that means? Those are people that are doing things to harm you. That's just not right. People are trying to harm me and I'm supposed to pray that God would bless them? I can't do that. There's nothing in me that can do that. Because before I gave my life to Jesus, I would have spent my whole life trying to destroy you if you crossed me. Now I gave my life to Jesus, and Jesus is asking me to love these people and to bless them and to show him his heart. I can't do that, God. It's too much. It's too much. I can't do it. But if I get in his presence, he starts to change me. The capacity that I did not have becomes a capacity that all of a sudden he does because he transformed me. How do I know I've been transformed? I can do what I couldn't do before. I can surrender and I can yield. I'm not doing it out of my own will. Amen? And then look what he says in verse 45. To show that you are children of your father. That's tough. Jesus said, this is how you know who you are. This is what shows that you're children of the Father. One translation actually says this is how you know your identity in Christ. It's the DNA of the Father that you've so surrendered and you've so yielded that you're no longer doing what the everyday person would do, but you're doing what is impossible for them to do, and you're now doing something that is from another reality. You are now displaying the heart of the Father. You know, I went to India one time, and I went into this town, and everybody in the town was martyred in the generation before that. Every single person that believed in Jesus was killed. And now I went back, you know, when I came back to this town, this whole group of people, they had me do it, dedicate this building. And the whole town came out to meet me. And the mayor came out to meet me. The whole town now believed. Wow. Because a whole group of people had laid down their lives for the gospel. I mean, it wasn't just something that you read about. It was, this was like right here before me. It was so humbling that a group of people had actually 
allowed their lives to be so changed that they would be willing to lay down their lives so a whole other generation could believe. I mean, right now, even with Asbury, there's sometimes, and, and some of the revivals that are breaking out across the country, there are people that are criticizing and judging that. I mean, how can you criticize that a bunch of people want to worship and a bunch of people want to pray and a bunch of young people? I mean, how bad can that be? I mean, we've, we should be, like, absolutely in support of that. Amen? Absolutely in love with that. But this is how it proves who we are. Right? And, it says, and, and, the, and the Lord says that I'm going to make it rain and sun is going to shine on both the upright and the wicked. He's just saying I'm going to give everybody an equal chance. Verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward can you have? It's a rhetorical question. There's no reward for you doing what everybody else can do. If you could love people out of your own ability and your own works, there's no reward. He says, do not even the tax collectors do that. One time I shared this verse and somebody, you know, and I, you know, I said, well, you know, they're pretty, they were pretty bad people. And they said, yeah, they still are. But, you know. Nevertheless, you know, we're still supposed to love them. Maybe it's the tax collector you have a problem with this morning. Right? But look what it says in verse 47. And if you greet only your brethren. And that, I mean, in church, like when we come in, we just greet each other. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But he says, if that's all you do, what more than others are you doing? It's easy to just greet and to care about the people that care about us. Amen. And then he says, do not even... The Gentiles, the heathen is what my Bible says do that. That means those are the people that are absolutely not wanting anything to do with God. Their hearts have nothing to do with what God is doing. He says even the heathen can do that. His point is we're not supposed to be like everybody else. And the evidence of who we are is whether we've been with him and allowed him to so change us so that we're not who we were. No matter what that looks like. It's not our job to judge that. It's not our job to try to figure out how to transform that in other people. It's his job to change us from the inside. Amen? It's not the church's job. I mean, if you watch that movie, Jesus Revolution, that's what you saw. A pastor, a pastor's heart changed for what he did not understand and what he did not want to understand because he was judging a bunch of young people. And it was when he finally understood because he met one and had an encounter with one that had had Jesus that his heart changed. And a whole move of God was released because people learned to do, a man learned to do what he could not do in his own ability or his own way of looking or thinking about things. God's trying to release us from ourselves. He's trying to give all, he's trying to love another generation. He's trying to love another people, not those that look like and those that would be like what we think they need to be, but because he's so changed us that we can love those that we would not normally love, or we can love people that don't seem like they're like us, or they don't think like us, they don't act like us. And God says, I don't care. I love all these people, and I so want to radically change you. That they see me. That they don't see you anymore, but they see me. Where's my brother on the on, on worship team? You got your phone there? I just want to read something to you. We did a memorial service for my biological father on December 30th, the day before um, New, New Year's um, Eve. 
And, and, and so my, we're at the memorial. We didn't know, you know, I, you don't know what God's going to do. And, and, and my daughter had asked, you know, beforehand, because I, you know, can I do a reading at the, at the memorial? And so, you know, on this side of doing things that God asks you to do that sometimes seems difficult and hard, it never seems like it makes sense or that you want to do it necessarily. But when you surrender and you do it, on the other side, what you really wonder is like, oh my gosh, why did I wait so long? Because on, on, on this side of doing something, there's oftentimes pride. I've had lots of pride in my life, honestly. It's kept me from necessarily experiencing the promise of God as soon as he wants to release it to me because I want my way. I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. I'm stubborn. You know, but when I let all that go and I just allow him to <laughs> saturate me with his love and on the other side of it, I'm like, God, I didn't understand. I didn't get what it is that you really wanted to do in me. I thought you wanted to do things through my strength and through my ability to, and, and, and instead you wanted to do it through my weakness. Instead, you wanted to do it through, like, my vulnerability. I hate to be vulnerable. I don't understand why people like to be vulnerable. Like, some people, they seem like they're good at it. They like it. But it's like, I don't want to be vulnerable. And God, but God uses my vulnerability more than he does my strength. You know, I, I was looking over here this morning. There was four little girls over here just worshiping the Lord. To be honest with you, it just broke my heart. Isn't that amazing? You know, today I'm so blessed because you know I get to I have a whole family that knows a whole different way of life. But God does more through our brokenness than He does through our wholeness. And I know theologically you could try to mess with that in all kinds of different ways, right? But it's my brokenness that really allows me to be made whole. Can you open that again? <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus is a good God. And he wants to be so good to you because he wants to be so good to everybody else. And here's what my daughter wrote. And she kind of ends up honoring me in the middle of this, which I, was unexpected. But she says here, there's so much we still don't know about Sterling Rainier. We were told that he vanished without a trace leaving behind his wife and two children. We don't know for sure if or when he remembered his family. This is a memorial about Sterling. Maybe not a moment for speculation, but I feel drawn today to make one assumption. Had Sterling met our family, whether he knew about us all or not, he would have seen how a man like my dad came in building a beautiful family of his own. He would have learned how his sons overcame and raised beautiful girls. He would have seen how my dad, whose history with fatherhood has been complicated, became one of the most attentive and caring dads out there. One that would drive any distance for his girls, who would care all too much for the people that he loved. I have no doubt that Sterling would have been moved to find this out. If he ever did, in that way, he helped create legacies men who would leave the world better than they found it. One way or another, Sterling didn't have the strength to meet us all, 
I think if he had, he would have been proud and humbled. Most of all, I think it's important to recognize Sterling's life and the grace that we have felt towards him after understanding his life better. We understand that his life was complicated with more that was out of his control than we initially assumed. My dad leads as an example of God's grace today for Sterling, who put forth effort to honor him today based on the word of the Lord and his obedience. You know, I didn't know what would happen. Just like my everybody that was there at that memorial that day, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. We weren't expecting it. A bunch of people came to honor a man that nobody knew anything about. And we all got touched. <laughs> and we all got, we all got changed. My wife was there. She didn't know him. She's just trying to be a support to me. And she's crying. <laughs> my, my in-laws, they're crying. I mean, why? Because it's not just about what we're doing. It's that God's changing us and doing it. He's preparing our heart for something that, <laughs> that we were not able to grasp. That there was a bigger thing that he was trying to do. Amen? And every single one of us, <laughs> no matter where we are, God has some work to do in our hearts so that we can become like him. Because that's the goal that his heart would become our heart, that his mind would become our mind so that our will would be his will, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? That's what he's called us to do. So I'm going to ask us just to bow our heads and pray for just a moment. Lord, we come before you this morning and we're asking you to do in us what we have no ability to do. We don't come in our pride or our strength or our talents, our gifts. We come, Lord God, in a place to say, Lord, you're everything. I need you because you're the only one that can do what needs to be done. I'm not capable. Show me, Lord. Show me your heart. Undo in me everything that needs to be undone and do everything in me that needs to be done. This morning you might be here and you would say, you know what? When you were speaking, I just felt prompted or I felt provoked or whatever words you might want to use, convicted or, <clears throat> or just felt like there was something that God wanted to do in me. Maybe something that God would say, I need you to let go of this. I need you to forgive someone. I need you to let go of some bitterness. Or maybe it's a circumstance or a situation. Maybe it's a disappointment. Maybe it's a failure of your own even. And the Lord needs you to let go of it. He wants you to let go of it because he doesn't want you to carry that into the next place. And he wants to do something in you. Not only to transform you so that other people could see him around and he would transform even the ones you thought were impossible to see touched. If that's you this morning, 
I just ask if you just maybe lift your hand toward the Lord and say, Lord, help me to do that. Help me just to let go. Thank you for your honesty all over this place. Lord, help us to let go. Help us to let go. Help us to do what we cannot do. Holy Spirit, I recognize that just a prayer isn't always enough. Lord, that you sometimes do miracles and you're a God of miracles and you do instant things. And other times, we need you, Holy Spirit, to help us because you promised you would be our helper, that you would walk us through the process of letting go, of forgiving, of doing things, Lord God, that we could not do because you helped us and you showed us how to do what we did not understand. Just pray this prayer with me. Holy Spirit, help me. You promised that you would help me. I don't know how to do this, but you do. And I'm saying today that I trust you. I trust that your heart is for my good and that your heart is for the good of those around me. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to do what it is that you want to do. Help me let go in the name of Jesus. Now there are Another question I want to ask you this morning, because sometimes as soon as you let go of something, God's asking you to grab a hold of something. And sometimes you can't grab a hold of something because you're too busy holding on to something. You know, sometimes the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the circumstance, the failure, it keeps us from believing God in the next place because we know. But some of you in this place, I think God has probably called you to do something more. Maybe you haven't had the courage. Maybe you haven't had the boldness to do it. Maybe it's, maybe it's because of a season that was disappointing and, and it felt like promises got on delay. Maybe it's because you know you have something in your heart that, that you had to let go of in order for God to really use you. But you know that God's called you to do something more, but you've been waiting, you've been putting it on hold or maybe making excuses or just not embracing what God has for you in this season. And you know that God is, he's, he's stirring up inside of you to say, you know what, now is the time. Now is the time. If that's you, just lift your hand up toward heaven. And we're just going to ask God. We're just going to ask him right now to help us. Just pray with me. Holy Spirit, it's not my job to figure it out. It's not my job to make it happen. But Lord, I'm asking for you to show me, to give me your timing so that I can cooperate with what it is that you're doing. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to do what I cannot do. Give me courage. Give me boldness. Not to trust in me, but to trust in you. Help me keep my eyes on you. And so I surrender and I yield and I say that you can do whatever it is that you want to do through me. In the mighty name of Jesus. One last thing here. 
with our eyes closed one more time, heads bowed. Maybe you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. The Bible says, for all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What that means is none of us are perfect. Why don't we, not, why don't we judge people? Because we ourselves could have been judged. <laughs> Jesus forgave me when I didn't deserve or didn't earn it would be the better way to put it. He earned it for me. I'm not perfect. Your pastor's not perfect. The elders aren't perfect. I'm not trying to put anybody down. There's just only one that's perfect. It's Jesus. If you're not perfect, you're the perfect candidate for God. (laughs) He's not looking for your perfection or to be a perfectionist. He's looking. He's looking for hearts that are perfect before him. Amen? That want him. And then the Bible says again, Jesus says, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Like he's the only way. Jesus says that. That's what the words of Jesus say. He wasn't just a good man. If you believe he was the Son of God and he was God, Jesus said, I'm the only way. I'm the only way to the Father God. The word reality there, or the word truth is actually the word reality. It means that Jesus wasn't just like right and wrong. It was he was a brand new reality. And he came to give you a brand new reality because he came to give you a brand new life so that you could see things in a way that's different than the way you see them, that you could hear them in a way that's different than you would hear them, that you'd become brand brand new. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I want to know this Jesus. I want to make sure that I'm right with Jesus. I want to have this connection with him. I want his heart. If that's you and you're not sure that you're right with God, maybe at some point you made a commitment but you didn't follow through with it and today's a fresh start and you want to make sure that you are chasing after him. If that's you and you need God to do something in you, just slip your hand up toward heaven and just say yes to Jesus. Thank you right here. Anybody else this morning? I see a couple hands. Another hand right there. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else this morning? Thank you, sir. I think I see your hand right there in the middle. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else this morning you want to say yes to Jesus? I just want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus this morning. I see another one in the back. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I want to ask you to do. If you slipped your hand up, I want to ask you to make one more bold step this morning. And I want to ask you to come and stand here with me this morning. I want to congratulate you and welcome you to the kingdom of God. Ma'am, would you come? Would you come? Um, Sir, would you come in the middle? I was talking to you before the service. Thank you, Jesus. The lady in the back, if you would come. Hallelujah. Just come and stand right here. Amen. Give them a big clap offering in the name of Jesus. Amen. He's a good God. He wants to be good to you. Congratulations. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Congratulations. Some of you are rededicating your lives. And some of this might be the first time you've ever done that. But I want you to extend your hands with those that are in front right here. You know, I didn't ask you to come forward here this morning. 
because I wanted to embarrass you. I asked you to come before all these people right now because the Lord says if you would do this before people, that God's recognizing and He's celebrating you before all of heaven right now. Amen. Right now, heaven has stopped, if you will, to celebrate you. Isn't that awesome? That's how much God loves you and how much He cared about you. So I'm just going to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me, okay? And so if you're, if you're sitting or sitting, why don't you stand up with me? Extend your hands toward them right here, right now, and ask God to just bless them. Ask God to show His love to them. So Lord, I'm asking you right now, Lord God, to touch those that have come. I'm asking for you to change their hearts with your heart. I'm asking, Lord God, for whatever's been broken to be made whole. Lord, for every disappointment, every circumstance, Lord God, that is in their way, I'm asking for you to remove it, to get it out of the way so that they can begin to run in the direction of you and your promises. So right now, I'm going to ask you to just repeat after me and just pray a prayer with me. Jesus, I'm asking you right now to come into my life and to make me brand new. Today I've chosen to die. To die to my life and my way of life. And I'm asking for you to become my life. To become my everything. In the name of Jesus, I surrender. I yield myself to you. Now Holy Spirit, Help me to live for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for my brother right here in Jesus' name. (laughs) The Lord says it's time to quit beating yourself up. The Lord says you've beat yourself up for way too long. The Lord says that you felt like you have fallen short and you have failed. But the Lord says that you are not a failure. The Lord says, I will use your failures to do more with you than I will as if you had done everything right. The Lord says, you have not disappointed me. You have not failed me. The Lord says that I'm going to do great things with you. You've been called to be a leader. And the Lord says, because of the hurt, because of the pain, Because of a father that they did not affirm. Because of a father that was not there for you to be what he was supposed to be for you. The Lord says that I am showing myself as father to you today. And the Lord says that I am well pleased with you. And you exceed my expectations. The Lord says I will do a brand new thing in you. Get ready. The thing that you ran for, the Lord says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you back. I'm going to heal. I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to restore. The Lord says, you told me that you went into the military. The Lord says that you went into the military because you didn't know what else to do. You had nowhere else to go. But the Lord says, I'm going to give you many places to go. And the Lord says, not only will I use in the military, but the Lord says, I'm going to begin to unlock and I'm going to begin to reconcile what was, what was stolen from you in Jesus' name. Huh? Huh. I hate to keep prophesying, but I just feel like there's a little bit more. I feel like the Lord says that you felt some guilt, like somehow there was some that you left behind, that somehow that you felt like you were supposed to protect. And the Lord says you don't have to worry. The Lord says I'm going to take care of them in Jesus' name. 
mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. I don't know if they're siblings, but in the name of Jesus. Lord, for this mighty woman of God right here in the name of Jesus. The Lord says, just like I spoke to that brother right now, the Lord says that I am your father. And the Lord says that even as that word father has actually meant things that are negative to you, the Lord says, I am going to heal the concept of father for you. And I'm going to show you what a good father is, says the Lord. The Lord says you have already come so far. But the Lord says that the residue of hurt that remains, I'm pulling out by the root, says the Lord. And the Lord says that even as you have been hurt, even as there were things that were done to you that should have never been done to you, the Lord says that I am going to use it for my glory. The Lord says that I will use you to speak into the lives of those that have been abused. And the Lord says that I will cause there to be healing and restoration, says the Lord. But the Lord says, I will heal you through and through. And the Lord says that even where there has been separation because of unbelief or just a wedge that was put there, the Lord says, I am going to begin to restore that. I just feel like there's other family relationships that God is going to restore. In the name of Jesus right now, mighty. Matter of fact, matter of fact, there's still been times where you wake up and there's almost a fear or anxiety that comes upon you not knowing whether you're safe. And I just feel like the Lord says, I'm taking that away and I'm going to give you that peace that we talked about earlier that you're going to wake up and feel safe. But you're not... Any any nightmares, go in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, for, for just um, your dreams and your goodness, Lord God, and fullness of sleep all night long in Jesus' name. Mighty God. Mighty God, thank you, Jesus. And the Lord says to you, mighty woman of God, the Lord says that you matter. The Lord says that you don't just blend into the background. The Lord says sometimes it feels like that somehow people don't see you and that you disappear. But the Lord says, I see you. (laughs) And I feel like the Lord says there's been such a tenderness of heart that you have for other people. The Lord says that you don't judge people and that you love people. And the Lord says that you've had a heart that, is, that, has, that has been for other people. But the Lord says because of the tenderness of your heart, that the disappointment, even as where it is that you have been, is, 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 is so hurt and torn you apart. But the Lord says that I see you and I'm going to use you. The Lord says that I have not forgotten you. And the Lord says that where it feels like there has been a void, and it feels like that somehow there's something that was missing, the Lord says, I will be that for you. And the Lord says, the tenderness of my heart will be given to you. And the Lord says, remember, you do not deserve second best. The Lord says, I want to give you the very best. And I want to fill that void with me. In the mighty name of Jesus, I just feel like the Lord says that you're a peacemaker. The Lord says that you bring people together. And the Lord says that in relationships, even with friends and people, that oftentimes they try to put you in the middle. But the Lord says that I don't want you to be pulled from one side to the other or in the middle. The Lord's going to give you an ability to speak to things without choosing sides. He's going to give you the ability to reconcile in the name of Jesus. Mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, for this mighty man of God right here in Jesus' name. Hmm. 
The Lord says that you are one that, you are a man of mercy. You're a man of compassion. And the Lord says that I have put you in the lives of others because you have this ability to care about people that are broken, people that are in hard places. And the Lord says, I am going to use you in a mighty way. And the Lord says that you will be a man of firsts. And the Lord says that even that which was behind you, the Lord says, it will not be your inheritance. The Lord says that your inheritance will be one that will break off the bondages of the past, says the Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to set things right in family, says the Lord. The Lord says that I will use you. The Lord says to begin to reconcile things in terms of relationships. The Lord says, I will give you my heart for even that which you tried to get out of, and I will begin to bring it back together in the name of Jesus. The Lord says, when others don't know what to do, the Lord says that they will look to you, and they will say, ask this mighty man of God, because he knows the way, and he will be led. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus. I feel like that you got lost, says the Lord, in a place where it felt like everybody else was about drama, about all of these things, and you were the one that was steady. But the Lord says, the Lord says, in, in this season, I will do a brand new thing. I will lift you up. I will use your creativity, and I will cause you to start things, says the Lord, and I will cause you to birth things in the mighty name of Jesus. Restore in Jesus' name. There's a creativity that God wants to use in you. And I feel like that creativity, I feel like the Lord says you're doing things that you feel like are your responsibility to do right now. But the Lord says it won't just be responsibility, says the Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to take that creativity and I'm going to use it and I'm going to turn it into provision for you in Jesus' name. So that which you want to do will be what it is that you're doing. Don't give up on your dream, says the Lord. The dream is from me. In Jesus' name, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Can we give the Lord a big hand for just a moment? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to come back and minister to people, but I'm just going to give it to John in case he needs to say some things here at the close of the service. And then I'm going to open it up if people want to be ministered to and for me to continue to minister to people. Amen. Amen. All I have to say is uh, the Bible says to honor the prophet and you receive a prophet's reward. When somebody travels across the nation and leaves his family to serve the body of Christ. The body of Christ needs to bless him financially. It's what the Bible teaches us to do. And that's the way you honor someone who's sacrificing like this. So um, if you want to give, you can give by check and you can put it in the box back there. Just make it out to GPC and then every penny goes to him, but it's easier to just make it a GPC. You can also give online on our website. You can also text 84321. And uh, you can also, if you're going to give cash, uh, there are envelopes in the back there. And you can uh, just put the cash in there and then seal it. But let's make sure we bless Dennis. We do not want to eat his food and not pay for it. All right. So um, that's all I want to say. We just want to make sure we bless the prophet. Okay. All right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look. Yeah. If if you need to slip out, don't feel like you'd be uh, um, rude doing so. Because we're usually done by 11.30. So I know if you're expecting that, do what you got to do. But I'm hanging. You want to hang? Let's hang. You minister. Let's go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to be ministered to, you can feel like you can come down here. I might come find you anyway. But like you can come down here. 
Let's worship the Lord for just a moment. Lift your hands toward the Lord for just a second. Can we just sing one song here? And then we're going to continue. Amen. Let's just honor the presence of God for just a moment. Just lift your hands toward Him. Just, just ask Him for your presence, for His presence. Hallelujah. I just want to sing here at your feet. Yes, Lord. Caught up in this holy Never want to Oh, just tell him, just tell him how much you want him. But I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, oh, Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More, more than anything that you can do. I just want one more time. You just want him. You just want him. Caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't owe me anything More than anything that you can do I just want you Hallelujah Lord, I just pray for this mighty woman of God right now in the name of Jesus I'm praying, Lord God, for you to heal all the scars and all the wounds of the past the Lord says that what happened to you when you were young, the Lord said the enemy meant to try to destroy you because he was scared of you. The Lord says that I am breaking fear. I am breaking anxiety off of your life. And the Lord says that that which has tried to follow you, the Lord says the residue of the abuse it is being broken off. And the Lord says that I will do a new thing in you. The Lord says, I am trying to teach you to believe in you. You have way more to offer. But the Lord says there are others that continue to treat you in a way that is not the way that I would have you to be treated. And the Lord says that you have blamed yourself. But the Lord says, it's not for you to blame yourself. The Lord says, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Mighty woman of God, it's not your fault. Hmm. The Lord says that there are sometimes there are hearts that are messed up. And the Lord says that doesn't mean it's your fault. You've been trying to search and feel like what is wrong with you. The Lord says there's nothing wrong with you. I just need to heal. I just need to heal what others hurt. In the mighty name of Jesus right now, Lord God, show yourself to her. Show her, yourself to her in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God, do a new work, do a new work. Get ready. God's getting about ready to open up some new doors for you, some new opportunities for you, because you have settled. You have settled for some things, thinking that this is what I have to settle for, because you have downed what it is that you think that God can use you for. But God says, I am going to begin to open up doors for you to do things in the areas that you don't feel qualified for. Open up your eyes and say yes. Say yes to things in Jesus' name. Get ready. There's a, there's a sibling that God is going to reconnect you with. A sibling that God is going to reconnect with. I don't know if it's a sister. I, I, I don't know if it's a brother, but I feel like there's a sibling 
where it feels like there's been a wedge that's put between you, that God's going to heal that in Jesus' name. Mighty God, mighty God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you glory. Mighty God, Lord Jesus, Lord, for this mighty woman of God right here in Jesus' name. Mm. I feel like the Lord says that anxiety is trying to overtake you. And the Lord says that that is not for you, says the Lord. The Lord says, I want to give you peace. Mm. And the Lord's not mad at you. The Lord's not saying there's something wrong with you. But the Lord says the enemy is robbing you by putting this anxiety on you. And I feel like the enemy has tried to make you feel that you're not good enough. To feel like that you don't have enough. And it feels like that you're put in the middle. And the Lord says, quit comparing yourself. The Lord says that you are more than enough, says the Lord. And the Lord says that even, even as it feels like that the one that you thought was supposed to be there to be strong for you, abandoned or left, the Lord says that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and that I will be there for you. The Lord says there's an Esther kind of a thing on you, this quiet aspect of who you are to come before people and to influence them. You have more to offer than what it is that you know that you have to offer, says the Lord. There is an ability to bring people together, to bring people together that would normally not work together. Mighty God, mighty God. The enemies try to get you searching for something just just so that you would know that you're loved. The Lord says, I love you. The Lord says, I am saving the very best for you. The very best for you in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, there's none like you. There's none like you. Healing, healing in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, right here for this mighty woman of God. Hmm. I just felt the Lord says that oftentimes you're put in the in-between places. And the Lord says, I'm going to use you in a mighty way. The Lord says that there's a discernment about you. You have the ability to discern things. And I feel like the Lord says that you stop and you think and the Holy Spirit even speaks to you even in the middle of situations. But the Lord says, I will use you to bring healing to others. I feel like that you have a soft heart and that your heart oftentimes breaks for other people. But oftentimes people do not see that how much you love them. And sometimes you don't understand why it is that you feel like you love so deeply, but it doesn't feel like that they love in the same way back. But the Lord says, I'm about ready. I'm about ready to show you love in a way that you have not known before. The Lord says that where somebody disappointed you, and the Lord says that they weren't there for you in the way that you thought that they were supposed to be there for you, the Lord says that I am going to show you a different way. And the Lord says that what has gone before you will not be your future. The Lord says that you are going to rise up and you're going to do bigger things than that. Matter of fact, you're really smart, says the Lord, but you haven't felt like you're smart. The Lord says that you feel like you're average, but you're not average. The Lord says, I'm going to give you eyes to see things in a way that's very different. There's a spirit uh, uh, of counsel that is upon you, says the Lord. And the Lord says, I will use you to counsel people. I'll give words for you to speak that will break things off of people. In the mighty name of Jesus, the Lord says, you will bring people together. In Jesus' name, mighty God, mighty God. Right here for this mighty woman of God right here. In Jesus' name, I'm coming back to you. I'm not trying to skip you. Lord God Almighty. I just feel like the Lord says that you that you're like a hidden gem. And the Lord says that you're about to blossom. 
The Lord says that you have felt like that you're behind or you don't know how you fit in. But the Lord says that you fit in. You more than fit in, says the Lord. The Lord says, but I have not caused you to fit in the way that you thought you were supposed to fit in because I have more, uh, I have something more for you. Those that look like they're running in front of you, the Lord says you are going to outrun them. Hmm. And I just feel like you have the ability to figure things out. I feel like that, that you have an ability with words. And I feel like the Lord says that there's a gift in you even to be able to write. And I feel like that you're going to write things that are going to change things. And the Lord says where the enemy would try to get you to shrink even in terms of your voice and sometimes in terms of being shy. The Lord says that you're going to be like a trumpet and that you're going to come out, says the Lord. And that that trumpet, he's going to use that even to trumpet through writing. And the Lord says that I'm going to influence many in it in the name of Jesus. Mm. The Lord says, even though that you feel like there's a lot of quiet and a lot of place of quiet, the Lord says, I'm using that to do something in you. The Lord says that you will be public because I will be able to trust you. Jesus. The Lord says that I'm just saying this because I want you to know I see you. And the Lord wants you to know that I will be your father, that I have your back, and I am going to make sure that I speak into your life in a way that will cause you to believe that you will be what I say that you are and who I made you to be. Jesus. Matter of fact, I see you having visions and I see you dream, having dreams and lots of pictures. And I feel like that sometimes you don't understand what those things mean. But I feel like the Lord is going to give you interpretation in this season in Jesus' name. Mighty God. Worthy. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. Lord God Almighty. Lord, I thank you, Lord God. This one is tenacious. Lord, she doesn't give up, Lord God. She's willing to tackle things, Lord God. She doesn't fear things. She runs into them. And as a matter of fact, it's not because you don't always fear. It's because of the courage that is upon you. And the Lord says that you have ability to like not look at, look at what's going on with yourself and to look at others and to see what's going on with them and to propel them into that. There is a Barnabas anointing that is upon you, an ability to encourage people and empower them into what they would be. And the Lord says that people, that people are going to be more because you are in their life, because of what it is that I will do through you, says the Lord, that your words are powerful, says the Lord. The things that you have to share are powerful, but the Lord says that you are one that's slow to listen, but are, are slow to speak, but quick to listen. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. And I feel like that there's been an anxiety, there's been a fear that has been upon you about not knowing what the next steps are. But the Lord says that you don't have to figure it out. The Lord says, I have figured it out for you. The Lord says you're not behind, that you're right on time. There are voices that are speaking into your life trying to say that you're not good enough or there's more that you need to do and you're never going to be ready enough or at least that's how you're hearing it or interpreting it. But the Lord says, I'm going to open up the doors for you. I'm going to open up the doors of opportunity for you. Right now there's somebody, there's a, there's a friend, there's somebody that you've been close to that, is, that, that it feels like that there's a wedge in the relationship right now. It so hurts you. It so disappointed you. It so made you feel like you're alone. But the enemy is trying to twist this and use it. The Lord says, look to me. 
and watch what I would heal. Matter of fact, somebody else has been trying to sabotage. It's been behind the scenes. They've been trying to say things, and they've and it's been a jealousy issue, says the Lord, that they are jealous of you. So they're trying to undermine you and undermine your relationships. The Lord says, keep your eyes on me, and I'll bring it back together. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God Almighty, for this young man right here, Lord God, what's your name? Blake. Lord, thank you for Blake. I feel like the Lord says that, Blake, that you have a soft heart, and you have a soft heart toward people, but there's, but the, in the softness, the Lord says there is such a strength. The Lord says that you are strong in the way that the Lord says that when many people, when many people would complain, the Lord says that you never complain. The Lord says that you absorb that, the Lord says, and the Lord says, I'm going to use you in a mighty way. The Lord says, I put the Father's heart inside of you. And I would make you to be a father to many. And the Lord says that many people, they want to be around you because of just the, the, the ability that you have to just put people at ease and allow them to be their self. And I feel like the Lord says that I will use you to touch many people, not only because you will be a leader of leaders, but because you will be a father of fathers, says the Lord. And the Lord says where you have been let down, the Lord says that you will exceed. Where there has been a letdown of a father voice in your life, the Lord says that you will be a voice to many. Watch what it is that I will do in you. The Lord says, do not define yourself by one way or one thing, says the Lord. The Lord says, you are way more than that. You have felt like that you are good. And I don't know if it's something to do with an athletics or a sport or something, but I feel like there's something in regards to that where that is. The Lord wants you to know that you are way more than that. And the Lord says, I will bring you before people that will be people of influence. They will be people that will be in places to make decisions. And the Lord says that I will give you a voice. And the Lord says that voice will speak and it will bring justice to others and bring alignment within communities for me in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And there's also something to do with it, like this creative art aspect of who you are. Jesus, Jesus, God's going to use that in Jesus' name. Lord God Almighty, for this mighty man of God right here in Jesus' name. Am I supposed to be pausing? Okay. Lord, what is your name? Paul. Lord, I thank you for Paul. Hmm. Paul, the Lord says that you've been through a lot. And the Lord says that you have overcome so much. And the Lord says there's been many that have misunderstood you. And they have misjudged you. But the Lord says, the Lord says that I am going to use that in a great way. And the Lord says where there was, there was a mistreatment. I feel like the Lord says that there was abuse. And the Lord says that you overcame that, the Lord says. And the Lord says for some time that you were angry. But the Lord says that you let that anger go. And the Lord says that I am doing a new thing in you. And the Lord says that you will exceed the expectations of others. The Lord says that the labels that were put on you in the past, I'm breaking those labels off of you. As a matter of fact, even the Lord says as you were searching and even as you were trying to find your way, the Lord says, the Lord says, I love that about you. The Lord says, I love the creativity. The Lord says, I love that you are able to embrace people of a lot of different ways of life. But the Lord says that I am going to use you in a mighty way to bring people together. 
And the Lord says that I would have you to speak up. Your greatest ability has been your ability to love people and not to judge people, says the Lord. And the Lord says, get ready because I am going to use you to touch people's lives on a massive scale, says the Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to begin to unlock an ability. As a matter of fact, I felt there was just like some things that you didn't think that God could do with you, but he would do with others. But I feel like the God's going to begin to give you words. There's going to be a knowing and a sense of discernment about you, about what's going on with other people that's going to unlock hearts for you, unlock hearts for him. In the mighty name of Jesus. Mm. I, just, I just feel like that somehow um, there was a separation. There was a separation somehow, and you ended up in a place because you didn't know where to go. But the Lord says that I am going to cause, I am going to cause things to come back together. And the Lord says that you will have plenty to be able to do. You're not, you're not at a disadvantage because God is going to open up doors to cause a launching into things that you did not think were opportunities for you. In the name of Jesus. I hope that made some sense to you, my friend. Lord, thank you for this man right here. I thank you, Lord God. This man has a sense of humor. He likes to have fun. And the Lord says, even with your sense of humor, that oftentimes that that sense of humor is oftentimes meant to deflect. There's a great side to it, and then there's a side that's actually meant to protect you. Because there's a softness that's inside of you. There's really a heart for other people. And the Lord says there is a leader of leaders that is inside of you. And I feel like, I feel like the Lord says that even though you like to make people laugh, the Lord says there's an, a, a seriousness that is inside of you about God. There's a seriousness about the things of God and loving people. And I feel like the Lord says that you're going to be one that's not going to follow but you're going to be one that leads. And the Lord says that oftentimes, even as you're fitting in, the Lord says that I am going to lead you to the front of the pack. Hmm. I feel like the Lord says that there is, um, there's something that God has done even in your family. And I feel like the Lord says that there's legacy and there's heritage that is upon you. But the Lord says it's not just going to be that that is your family's. It is yours. And the Lord says that I will do even more with you than what I did with those that went before you. Get ready for things to multiply. As a matter of fact, there's a mantle of leadership that God is placing on you. And the Lord says that you will be a voice. And the Lord says that I will use you mightily. Get ready. I feel like there's going to be like a Pied Piper kind of anointing that is on you. Meaning that whatever the sound, whatever it is that you're doing, it's going to cause many to follow you. And I just feel like that people are going to follow you and it's going to multiply I feel, I feel like you're going to, you're going to cause uh, like I just see a harvest I just see souls I just see like an evangelistic anointing and even though it wouldn't come out of a place of just feeling like it's traditional it's going to come out of a non-traditional way but I just see you gathering people and I just see them following you and I see it growing and growing and growing and growing and multiplying in Jesus name mighty God, mighty God Mighty God, we give you praise. We give you glory. Lord, thank you for this mighty woman of God right here. I'm just finishing chewing my cough drop. Sorry. <laughs>